Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. And welcome to episode 106 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of March 2014. It is our Daikaiju discussion episode for Gamera versus Zegra. I do have Martin coming to join me in just a little bit for that. We have a ton of news. I think that's probably going to be the slogan. For the remainder of this uh, spring, essentially, until the movie comes out and probably for a little while after the movie comes out, I almost feel like I should do a separate news show. But I mean, news, you guys tell me, news doesn't actually really happen because this is a this is a podcast. This is something that's sort of like a snapshot in time. But I'm going to share with you the most important things to me as far as Godzilla stuff goes. Anyway. Not only do we have a ton of news, we got a ton of requests in, so well done, listeners. I am going to start things off by playing the main titles of Godzilla vs. Destoroya, and that is for Herman, and then we have several others that I will explain later.
Started things off with Akira Ifukube's Godzilla vs. Destroya main theme, and that again was for Herman. Then we played Michael Sembello's Godzilla, and that was for John. I actually had never heard that before. Very 80s, as he warned me. Then we played Monster X Appears by Nobuhiku Morino, and that was for Ben. That's obviously from Godzilla Final Wars. And then the next song uh, was dedicated sort of to Bob Casali. From Devo, who recently passed away, and that is for Gary. That was Monster Man by Devo. We do have several more requests that we're going to play throughout the episode, but once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju Cast showcases one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we're looking at Dae's Gamera vs. Zigra from 1971, or Gamera Tai Shinkai Kaiju Zigra, which means Gamera vs. the Deep Sea Monster Zigra. This is the seventh movie in the franchise, and if you argue that Gamera vs. Gauss was the last film that tried to appeal to both children and adults, it's the fourth film that sets its sights squarely on its audience. Kids. Now, this film was not brought to television by AIP as the other films were, so essentially the Sandy Frank dub is the only English dub that's available, and of course, this is the one that people have seen mostly. Uh, if they've seen it by themselves on TV as a kid, that's great. But I basically heard from most people that they saw it on MST3K, which is, of course, where I saw it as well. Brace yourself, Jeff Smith. I've been waiting all week for the sadistic pleasure I'm going to get when I tell you that the experiment this week... It's Gamera versus Zegra. We know already. That's why we're having this party. It's our last Gamera movie. How did you find out? Who ruined my surprise? Frank told us! Frank! This may be your last camera film, but there's no guarantee you're going to survive it! Party's over, Frank! Oh, 
We just finished watching Gamera versus Zigra, and joining me here in the studio for this is Mr. Martin Vavra. Hey, folks. Hey, man. So had you ever seen this movie before? No, I hadn't even actually heard of this one before. <laughs> I had not seen this one outside of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 treatment. I'm 99% sure uh, that I had never seen, like, definitely had not seen the Japanese version. And you still haven't. And I still haven't. <laughs> we did not watch the Japanese version. We watched the American version, which is the same thing that they, that Mystery Science Theater 3000 used for their uh, lampooning uh, of the film. And I will say, out of all the Showa Gamera films that I've seen, I actually felt like this one was one of the ones that deserved the Mystery Science Theater treatment. <laughs> Not that the other ones didn't so much, because, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I appreciate it in, on, a, on some levels. But, gosh... I am going to have a really hard time saying nice things about this movie in a serious discussion type format. <laughs> so we're going to start with you. <laughs> Initial thoughts. Go. This movie was a lot of fun for none of the reasons that they intended it to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I was, um, I was, kind of roasting this film as it was going along we both were i know i was having a hard time with this one i feel for whoever's uh homework i'm gonna read in a little while who's gonna go back and say i remember when i was six years old and this movie formulated my entire love of the cinema and i have gone on to appreciate everything about this you're gonna kill me in my sleep (laughs) i i think you're safe actually (laughs) i I think you're safe i haven't read ahead so Uh. yeah this one it, it it was fun when I gave up on it early. It, it became a fun movie. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that. Pretty early on in the film, you realize that this is meant just for the audience that it was intended. Just like, this, just a kids movie. Like yeah, uh, I I think I mentioned this in in uh, I, I, yeah I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but you know the um this movie is. You know, the, the way that the, the series goes, I think this is the third in the, in the series where it's just like, screw it. We're, this is just for kids, you know? Yeah. Cause they got the first movie, which is sort of a serious attempt, but they do have a little bit of a kid friendly aspect to it. And then to the second movie, they abandon that. They say, no, 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 we're going to make a, a serious monster movie. Now, which one's first and which one's second? Because I, gear on second. No, is no, that no. right? No, no, no. The first movie, I'm talking about in the entire series. Now. Yeah. So the very first movie is, is Gamera the Invincible or Daikaiju Gamera. Okay. And then the second movie is Gamera versus Barugon. And then the third movie is Gamera versus Gauss. Now, in my opinion, oh, okay. Gamera versus Gauss, the original one, obviously, that movie is not what I would consider to be full blown kid targeting mm-hmm. at that point. But that's the last one. Cause in that film, there's a, there's a handful of like serious adult characters as well as one kid. I believe there's just one kid. 
and then the following film, ah, uh, let's see. Because I, I know Giron's four kids, and I didn't know how that... Three. Giron has three kids. Yeah, but I mean, it's four kids. That, that's, oh, oh, that's <laughs> definitely... <laughs> Not the number four. Not, yes, yeah, yes. that is that is that is aimed. It's targeting kids because the the kids with the spaceship and everything and the whole like the Gamera song and everything. That one's yeah. And I I don't know because I I honestly I don't watch these these Gamera films that much. I mean, if I go back and say I want to watch a Gamera film, you know, it's the Heisei series with the with the awesome <laughs> stories and the awesome effects. Yeah, that's what I go back and watch. But Gamera versus Gauss, yeah, that was the third one. And Gamera versus Viras, that one was the one that I was telling you about that has the squid-like creature yeah, in okay. it, right? So Gamera versus Viras, I believe that is the first one that is just full-blown time for kids. Um, all the adults are idiots. All the kids are brilliant. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, yeah. all of these films do that like yeah. to a point. And so Gamera versus Viras was the first one. Gamera versus Giron was the second. Gamma versus Zegra. This, so this would be the third one in the full blown, these are just for kids. Full kids trilogy, yeah. The, the, just for kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and then, and then you get, uh, oh no, no, sorry. I, I messed that up. I was reading wrong. So Gamma versus Jiger is the third. Oh, Gamma versus okay. Zegra is the fourth. And Gamma versus Jiger is borderline entertainment for me. <laughs> like that one is, um, if you have not seen it, it has to do with the 1970 World Expo that was in Japan. So there's when we finally talk about that film, that'll that'll come up. But uh, the kids do some cool things. Gamera gets infected with, and we don't need to talk about it too much. But Gamera gets infected with the baby of an uh, of this monster, of this Jiger monster, and it's inside of him. And they have to do like um, a, uh, what is the name of that film where the people <laughs> shrink space. down? Yeah, sort of <laughs> inner space. Yeah. I was thinking about the older one, but yes. Yeah. They don't have to shrink down because it's Gamera. So they just get in a tiny little submarine and they go into Gamera and they find this thing. But it's, it's, it's still entertaining. Yeah. I can't wait to see this one. But this movie is the next to last in the show series, Gamera Mm. versus Zegra. And, uh, oh my gosh, these are, in my opinion, the kid in Gamera Super Monster. When you didn't see that. Yeah, I missed that one. The kid in in Camera Super Monster is not as annoying as the kids in this film. Oh, my gosh. But Super Monster is kind of a clip show, isn't it? I think that's the way it was described. Super Monster is like a clip show, and there's one kid, one Kenny kid, and uh, that's not his name. but, And he interacts. He doesn't interact with Gamera directly. He interacts with these space women. But... In this film, I mean, these kids are the most annoying kids I've, I've seen in a Gamera so film. Bad. And, you know, the kids in Gamera versus Virus or Viras, those kids are, they're annoying, but they're like, they're clever. They're smart. And the two kids in that film do a good job of like making the adults look like fools. And the kids in Gamera versus Giron, they're both a little, not as smart, but they still like. I are, remember them are being kind annoying, of, kind of clever, but they're a little annoying. Yeah, I think there's like almost like a meter, like the the, <laughs> the annoying meter starts climbing as these movies get get but further and two, further into the show. As, oh it. my gosh, oh, I just like they kept like when they kept stowing away, like <laughs> yeah, I know, one after <laughs> the another. Dad, the dad's like Helen. When we get home, you're gonna get a nice spanking. Like that is <laughs> not what I would consider nice, but. 
They deserve it. <laughs> Deserved. Anyway. We're stowing away on the little bathoscope, which I still don't understand how they got that in the translation. And yet I'm going to fidget with all these dials while you try to get our hero camera to come back to life. Gosh, there's just so many things. I mean, this almost could be a drunken just, commentary. Just put them in the torpedo tube and shoot them outside already. I don't know if the bathosphere <laughs> does have a torpedo tube. Otherwise, they probably would have tried to defend themselves against Zegra. <laughs> yeah. Who? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But... uh uh, I guess for my, is any other things you want to mention for your initial <laughs> thoughts? I, maybe we should just abandon the entire initial thoughts, what you hated, what you liked, all that stuff. No, that's good. That's the, we should stay on formula. Right. We got to stay, stay on. on target. <laughs> so, uh, initial thoughts. Do you have any other, any other thoughts? No, those were my in initial okay. ones. Mm, initial I, don't thoughts. Eat up I know, I know I said some stuff already. Uh, yeah, it hadn't, I don't think I'd ever seen this without the MST3K guys riffing down in the corner. And I don't think I would say that I was prepared for that necessarily. Although I do remember the story very well. There were a couple of shots that I don't remember seeing. That's why I think I've only seen the MST3K version. But I think, uh, you know, overall, that had some entertainment to it, but it's just so targeted at kids. I feel the same way about this, this film that I do about, um, the three Mothra films that came out in the nineties, which mm-hmm. I just like bottom of the list in the grand scheme of ranking everything. This one's not going to be, this is <laughs> nowhere near the top 50. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is like, this is in the lower lower third for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that's my <laughs> initial thoughts. Uh let's let's think of some positive things, Martin. What did you like about this film? Uh I guess what did I like about it? Well, you know, it was attempting to have a message. It it did and that and that's staying on theme with with really the Godzilla films and and I don't know because you had said this came out the same year as Smog yep, Monster. 1971, yeah. So, you know, b- people were trying to find a way to be conscientious. E- either they were trying to find a way to be conscientious or they were cashing in on the fact that somewhere in the culture people were, were thinking about those things. So I'll give them kudos for that, that they were, they were being topical. Okay. Cool. 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 I can, I can see that. Uh, I will say that my favorite part about this film, and I don't actually know if they gave the name of the SeaWorld trainer. Um, but the guy who was arguing with the hotel manager about the fish, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I, and when it finished, I turned to Martin. I said, that right there, best dialogue in the entire film. <laughs> Without a doubt, best dialogue in the entire film. That was kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just don't think, uh, <laughs> I just don't. I don't have too many great things to say about it. I mean, the effects are what they are. And, you know, this is 1971. This is the next to last film. I'm sure Dae was feeling the pinch just like the other studios were. And, uh, and if you think about it, if this was 71 and the next one was 1980, that's a nine year gap with no Gamera films oh, coming wow. out of Dae, which of course they, they, uh, and because you weren't here, I'll explain it. They went bankrupt. Uh, and then um Gamera Super Monster, the follow-up to this film, was a sort of, um it was a last-ditch effort to get them out of bankruptcy. Yeah. And it did not work, but uh 
you know, where we stand right now in this film, Gamera versus Zigra, I will say that um, they uh, they they continued the formula well, <laughs> as, you know, with the other stuff. I kind of wonder how this one did. And there's a lot, you know, there's not a lot of information about the Gamera films. Yeah. You know, there's just sort of, they're dismissed by a lot of people, which I can understand. You know, we're talking about films absolutely made for kids. These, especially these three, you know, mm-hmm. and, or these four. And there's just not much to, not much else I can say. I mean, I, I did like that dialogue. I'm sure there were a couple other little things here and there that I liked. I did like the juxtaposition of, uh, of oh Kenny, you have to brush your teeth, and then they're <laughs> brushing the killer whale's teeth and uh, all that stuff. It was goofy, but I thought it was entertaining at least. You know, I guess that's something. <laughs> <laughs> so when when Daye went uh, bankrupt, mm-hmm. who brought it back and brought Gamera back in the nineties with the trilogy? I well Daye did, and I'm sure they partnered through somebody, but I don't know exactly how that came about. I you know, aside from the kaiju films, I don't really follow Japanese films uh, and cinema too closely. So I don't know what was happening in the in the mid '90s at Daiei and with that studio and how it came back. I'm I'm assuming they did some other films. It wasn't just like, Bing, here's Daiei, we're doing Gamera. Yeah. Know? But I would like to find that out. It'd be kind of interesting. I you know somewhere I have a <laughs> I have a. Uh, an interview with Shusuke Kaneko that needs to be transcribed. Uh, and I, he may have mentioned something about that in that interview. Oh, uh, probably not something I should just admit on the podcast, you know, <laughs> for people to know that I'm, I've been slacking about that. But, um, you know, Gamera versus Zigra definitely has a lot of faults to it. So I, I hesitate to even ask you, what was the, what would be the one thing you'd change about this film? <laughs> But the script, the script, (laughs) yeah, the everything. I yeah, script was bad. But I do want to torture myself and watch the Japanese version too. Um, you know, one of the things that we noticed, you know, a lot of people notice is that the little girl Helen continually asks for a Coke. Uh, but in the in English, in English, but in the Japanese version, she very clearly asks for a juice. Mm-hmm. Which is much less diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> Not diabolical. A <laughs> little, little but, less you know. product placement. Yeah, yeah. I'd like the nice, refreshing taste of a Coca Cola, please. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> uh, this yeah. dubbing brought to you by. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so here's something interesting. This is just a side note here. When we were watching it, Martin looked at the dad, the guy who plays, uh, I think his, the father's name in this film is Tom is the father of Helen and Margie mm-hmm. and uh the one whose whose wife is in a hospital mom's in, in New hospital. York yeah. yeah uh but he Martin looks at that guy and goes I've seen that guy before and he starts describing Gamera versus Barugon to me like and I absolutely floored and impressed that Martin <laughs> was able to uh successfully recall that that actor was in Gamera versus Barugon and then I went back and looked at IMDb and I was like, oh, he was in a whole bunch of these Gamera films. I don't know why. I actually, in my mind, I was trying to place him in a Mothra film, but it was the Baragon. Yeah, I was trying to give you a little bit more credit than that. But 
you just went and no, it's revealed all good. yourself to the, to the <laughs> listeners. School. So is uh, what I mean. The script is that the <laughs> the worst part about this film. Like I said, once I let this one go in the first yeah. five minutes, it became a lot easier to to handle. I mean, there, yeah, there's there was a point when <laughs> you know. Zegra's getting blinded by the lights down there by the bathoscope, and then all of a sudden, when we come back, Zegra's asleep, snoring. Yeah, what well, was up with that? <laughs> the, what was the whole, like, up gonna, with that? I'm gonna throw a seafloor rock at you. He didn't wake up. Just I'm to reaching make sure for you're the asleep. bathoscope. Wait, no, no, no. You're about to wake up. Oh, yeah. you're back to sleep. I can grab the bathoscope. No, 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 no. Oh, this I wanted my Indiana Jones move here, and like. Whoo. <laughs> slide the idol off the pedestal. I wonder if like kids in the seventies would watch that and like <gasps> yell at the theater screen and be no, like, "No camera, camera, wait, not yet. He's not asleep." <laughs> yeah, you know? Probably. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's you know one of one of many things, but that one definitely stood out. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> oh, I just thought of something positive. Another positive thing to say. Uh huh. This movie did not have the typical camera. And his history recap, like in Gamera versus Virus, and I think in Jiger, but I'm not positive. And I know Gamera versus Giron, they, and I know for sure they do it in uh, some of the other films. But <laughs> You're they thanking do this them thing for no backstory. <laughs> I, I, yeah, there is. There's this thing you can. Yeah. There's this thing we we're talking about where you, if you go watch a Gamera film, you don't need to know the continuity of the Gamera films because they pad the films you know, runtime with all this stock footage, which I wouldn't call it stock footage because it's essentially inserting parts <laughs> of the previous films into this movie. Yeah. So that but we didn't get that in camera versus Ziggler. And thank you. <laughs> this one thank you, this Noriaka one was Yuasa. Thick the enough. There was enough going on with this one. There's enough meat on that bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so the anyway, negative stuff. It's hard to really pin down something. I, what I will say is that I know you say one, but five come to mind. I know. What I will say is, uh, is in terms of an entertaining film, uh, and what it, what I would imagine entertains young kids, when Gamera and Zegra find, you know, finally end, uh, start their climactic end battle. It's very short mm-hmm. and seems to me they could have cut out some of the previous battle where Gamera got, you know, stomped a little bit and then maybe extended that because it was almost kind of like, oh, they're out of the water. Oh, Gamera just beat him. Like he's already <laughs> playing the chimes on his back already. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that's there you go. Is that a There's thing my... I've missed? Do they do that in at the end of each one as no, well? No, oh, okay. no, no. That was it's just that was exclusive to this one. It's just humiliation. Camera, <laughs> camera likes to humiliate his opponents. <laughs> anyway, um, this is the the Halo. T- <laughs> yes, yes, version of that. Company. Yes, it is. Anyway, um, I think uh, I want to hear your final thoughts. <laughs> Before we move into the homework from, from I would not recommend this to a person who has never watched a kaiju film before. Um, uh, I, it's, but it's hard not to recommend this film for the sheer, this is a movie that you have, you, you drink a bunch of beers, you have a bunch of friends and you just have a really good time. You just kind of let the thing have it. Yeah, man. I'm happy you're here. But I'm a little sad that we didn't get joined by a bunch of other people because I'm sure the entire thing would have been a rip fest. This is a drunken commentary in the making. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
anything else? <laughs> nope, that's good. All right. Uh, so the one thing uh, that I wanted to say is I can see how this can pass for children's entertainment in 1971 in Japan, but it's still pretty low, low, low common denominator children's entertainment, I would imagine, at that time. And instead of me coming up with something insightful right now, as many of you know, I uh, ran the Shrine of Gamera back in the day. Maybe have to resurrect that because there's some news that, you know, in 2015 we might get a new Gamera film of oh, some wow. kind. Who knows? But um, I wrote a review, a short review of the film, because <clears throat> this film doesn't deserve a massive review in my opinion. But <laughs> contrary to the recording time and the time we're spending on it right now, but... Here's my review that I wrote probably in 1998 or 99. All you people of the earth, I enjoy this film. It's a little silly here and there, but the effects and the story are pretty good. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, here's something odd about this film. When Zegra orders his henchwoman to kill the children, he says that it's because they know too much. But if they learned all they needed to know when the Zegra woman was broadcasting, but oh, but if they learned all they needed to know when the Zegra woman was broadcasting to the earth, why wouldn't the whole world already know Zegra's plan? And here's a popular new joke for the bars. How do you break Zegra mind control? You just shout, ah, ah, <laughs> into a walkie talkie. That's a dumb, dumb joke. <laughs> half-baked idea at best on my part <laughs> if anyone is looking for this Gamera versus Zegra is the film where Gamera plays the theme song on the back of his opponent like a xylophone and then breaks into a dance sure this film has a lot of hokey moments but but by this film it's almost what you expect from a Gamera movie a light-hearted romp chronicling the near defeat of Gamera as the hu- and the human race in conclusion I'd like to say, how did I get here? I was just on the moon. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I wrote there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a little inside humor. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a anyway. Coke now? Uh, no, I need a beer. Yeah. I only have a little <laughs> bit left here. Um, anyway, uh, we are going to go ahead and move into our listener discussions. Uh, one of the perks of being a top-level supporter of the KaijuCast is that you get to send in your Daikaiju discussion homework via voicemail. We are going to start things off with our Kaiju Colonel, Benjamin. Before watching Gamera vs. Zegra, two important thoughts crossed my mind. Number one, as the show Gamera is said to be friend to all children, and this is a show Gamera movie, this will also be a children's movie. And number two, being a Kaiju film from 1971, the budget for this film will not be very generous. As I viewed this picture, having that for knowledge definitely helped me accept many of this film's otherwise cringe-worthy moments and have a generally good go at it. One of my favorite sequences involved the movie's two stars. No, not Gamera and Zegra, but Kenny and Helen. It was these adventurous youths' mastery of a spaceship interface that looked like it was made by Hasbro that made them the core of the film's vacuum-tight premise and the only humans on Earth Zegra would rather have killed outright than be saved for food. Zegra's best and only henchperson, the brainwashed space geologist Laura Lee, was sent to recapture them. Luckily for her, as she was sauntering down the highway in a bikini borrowed from a hypnotized beachgoer, she met a dolphin trainer who was all too eager to show a complete stranger exactly where two little children lived, which also happened to be a sea world. 
One thing leads to another and a good old-fashioned Scooby-Doo chase erupts in the place. One in which the children consistently get the best of the fully grown adult woman until the very end. However, by then all the scientists and military at the place get wind and figure out that radio waves, or sound waves, I don't know, cancel out the brainwashing. They make some suggested noises into a headset, glorily collapses, and the children are safe and sound, until they decide to play Spritel and Chim Chim with a bathysphere. The monster action can also be just as fun at times, if not somewhat uneven. Gamera himself gets a few cool scenes, such as when he uses quote-unquote stealth to rescue the aforementioned bathysphere from Zegra. The other is when Gamera, like Godzilla and Yongari before him, performs a victory dance towards the end of the film, using a boulder to play out his theme song on the defeated Zegra's dorsal plates, like a xylophone. The only thing is that in seven films, they really haven't changed his facial expression much, and the fact that he retains that off-kilter, doll-eyed stare makes it a bit weird. Zegra definitely held my attention, though. We first see him in a flying saucer comprised at least partially of Trix cereal, watching over the control room like a weird spiderweb-covered cuckoo clock. Turns out he is a sentient kaiju, and a destructively haughty one at that. It's a neat little trait that is a twist on a classic staple of the genre, as he is both the invading alien mastermind and the attacking kaiju brute. I also like him because even though kaiju ega are filled with aquatic and amphibious beasts, not very many of them are fish, and even fewer look as cool as a zebra. Covered in plates like a prehistoric armored placoderm with the sleek lines of a shark, Zegra could have come straight out of the Devonian period. The only things I would criticize about his appearance were the few times he went bipedal. The use of that suit was inconsistent and took away from the cool silhouette of the marionette. All in all, Gamma vs. Zegra was an interesting little film. As I alluded to earlier, it lacked some of the seriousness and polish that would turn a casual moviegoer into a fan of the genre. But for the initiated, I think it's a fun little distraction that's worth a view. Uh, yeah, this is Jace, and uh, this was actually my first time viewing Gamma vs. Zegra all the way through, and I have to say, I had a good time with it. It would be pointless to dwell on the plot holes and poor effects work. We all know these Kitty Fair Gamma films are pure camp and ought to be enjoyed as such. The high point of the film for me was Zegra's design. One can definitely see some undertones of Zegra and Pacific Rim's Nighthead, and with good reason. The sharp angles and red eyes make for a terrifying kaiju villain though the suit work and puppetry left something to be desired. The scene on the moon base is a lot of fun. I only wish more of the film could have taken place there. As someone who has just found out that he is going to be a father, I was able to appreciate this film in a dramatically different manner than I would have before. The little attempts to educate children about sea life at the beginning is a noble effort, though I have no idea what the original Japanese says, and the dub seems to equate orcas with dolphins on several occasions. That said... This definitely seemed like a good film to watch with a young boy or girl, and I can't wait to find out how receptive my kid would be to this film. Finally, on Gamer himself. He seemed to do a lot more Kermit flailing than usual, but his sneaky theft of the bathyscope as Zegra lay sleeping was an enjoyable part of the film. All in all, I'd say this is a worthy film for MST3K treatment. Get some booze and a group of friends together and have at it. Big thanks to Benjamin and Jace for sending that in. And if you want to join the ranks of the Kaiju Corps, just go to kaijucast.com slash support for the details. Now on to the rest of the homework. Mitchell can agree that this is a very goofy movie, especially when Gamera plays Zegra's back like a xylophone. He's sad to say that he prefers Zegra's English voice over his Japanese. But Mitchell does like the fights and Zegra along with, uh, is it Jiger? I think it's Jiger. Jiger? Yeah. Uh, along, uh, so Zegra along Jiger is one of the favorite Gamera monsters. 
When Herman thinks of Zegra, his first thought is of Elvira's episode of Gamera Super Monster. It was the first time he ever saw Zegra. Many years uh, later, he saw the actual Gamera vs. Zegra movie, thanks to MST3K. Zegra is a unique kaiju and a clever idea to create a kaiju based on a goblin shark. Herman thinks it would be really interesting to see a modern, updated version of Zegra. Goblin sharks have a rather unnerving appearance because of their demonic facial features. Giving Zegra the Kaneko treatment could produce a truly frightening kaiju. Uh, side note from Kyle here, Knifehead was supposedly designed from Pacific Rim, was supposedly designed off of a goblin shark and not off the uh, Gamera monster Giron, even though Giron seems like the obvious choice. As for special effects, Zegra was executed much more effectively and convincingly in his shark mode than his bipedal form, which just looks silly. Like all of the Showa Gamera movies, Gamera vs. Zegra provides all of the zany kaiju action, ridiculous plots, and ludicrous dialogue that you can handle. It was certainly a fun, it was certainly fun to watch on MST3K, but Herman kind of wishes that he had seen this as a child. So Steven writes in, having mostly watched this film via MST3K, Steven had to bite the bullet, as it were, and watch it for his homework assignment, Sans the Sarcastic Bots. Wow. This movie is proof positive that either it was made exclusively with kids in mind, or hallucinogenic drugs were in ample supply while it was being made. That having been said, Zegra is kind of a cool monster as it appears to have intelligence, but then so does Gamera as he obviously had musical aspirations but no funding for instruments. A fun, if convoluted, movie. Steve will stick with Servo and Crow for this one, however. Jason has only seen the MST3K version, see what I'm talking about, (laughs) of this movie, so it may be coloring his viewpoint. This is a fun and very silly movie. The fight scenes, while not the best, are inventive, and the monsters use their abilities well. The character is very dumb doing things that are very that are baffling, strange, and laughable. That said, Jason likes the fact that Zigra is intelligent, it uses humans, and communicates with them. It is a nice, different take on the standard monster trope. Jason's one real problem comes from the fact that the kids are the center of everything. He understands that it was meant for kids, but seriously, the UN surrenders the Earth for the sake of two children and their parents, but, you know, <laughs> I agree. Uh, he also really likes the design of Zegra, which is probably his favorite show of Gamera monster. Matt and his dog Ashley can see why Gamera's filmmakers took a break after 1971. The kids in a spaceship, kids in a submarine, evil spacewoman, grizzly monster death formula had clearly run its course. It's tough to critique a movie that didn't seem to have very high aspirations that was aiming squarely at a young audience. Inexplicable and arbitrary turns in the plot had him tuning out to what was going on, making the monster versus monster action, Gamera versus Zegra, only hope of redemption. The screenwriters have historically had to account for the relative immo- immobility of the Gamera suit, and this movie was no different. WWF style fights, a la Godzilla versus Gabara. Oh, Gabara. Gabara. Yeah, you haven't seen that yet. Uh, that is so uh, good. Another one for the list. Yep. I'm sure it's already there. <laughs> yeah. In Godzilla's Revenge aren't going to show up in the Gamera script. Gamera uses strategy and his wits, and even his musical talents, to dispatch his foes, as Zegra finds out. Matt gives his thumbs up to the monster makers. Gamera's foes have always had interesting designs and capabilities. 
He was surprised on occasion by eye-catching cinematography that imparted a, a more serious look to the film. But the bottom line, as with the three previous Gamera films, Gamera vs. Zegra is a kid flick with no grand statement to make. And as with the three previous movies, it is one Matt and his dog Ashley are planning to show non-kaiju fan friends anytime soon. Zegra is Adam's favorite monster of the Showa Gamera series. Gamera vs. Zegra is a film that suffers from an ambitious script meeting a minimal budget. If Super Monster Gamera was the end result of the Showa series, then this film was the writing on the wall. Gamera vs. Zegra is basically a rehash of Gamera vs. Veras, with your typical environmental message force-fed into the script. Most of the fights in the movie weren't that impressive. Zegra transitioning from water to fo- water form to bipedal form was obviously left on the cutting room floor, as we, as all we get is a jump cut to Zegra standing. The only fight that Adam really liked was the underwater confrontation between the two monsters, which led to the highly anticlimactic final battle on land. Though he does always smile when Gamera decides to play his theme on Zegra's back, all Adam can say is, Oh yeah, Gamera, get down, you bad Gamera. <laughs> he finds that last underwater battle impressive for the time, as we don't really get many underwater battle scenes in giant monster movies. Zegra is his favorite monster of the Showa series. It's just a shame his appearance is lackluster. Gamera vs. Zegra is a fun and colorful movie, just like all the rest. Sure, these kids are the most annoying ones yet, but hey, it's a Gamera movie. Irritating kids are just part of its charm. While not his favorite of the series, Adam still likes Gamera vs. Zegra, if only to laugh at how damn goofy it is. It marks the end of the Showa series and Gamera's epic theme. Gamera vs. Zegra, a.k.a. Gamera Goes to SeaWorld, may be not the greatest movie ever. Paul comments that while Gamera vs. Zegra contains an environmental subtext found in many 1970s films, including Godzilla vs. Hidora, it's still a silly, kid-friendly film at heart. After watching Gamera play his theme song on Zegra's back, Paul will never make fun of Gamera do- <laughs> of Godzilla doing the jumping after uh, the jumping she uh, Shay dance. Okay, Paul will never make fun of Godzilla doing the jumping Shay dance in Invasion of Astro Monster ever again. Kudos to the Shout Factory for all the Gamera DVD releases, including the MST3K Gamera Collection. For this viewing, Mike Keller watched the subtitled Japanese version, which deprived him of some of the goofiness, such as Helen asking for a Coke every five minutes, and the line, stay back or I'll feed them to the dolphins. But we do get to see that the people at the Japanese Sea World apparently do not know the difference between dolphins and killer whales. That's okay. The makers of this movie want us to know that the SeaWorld employees have their animals' best interests at heart, whether they know what they are or not, by showing us that they're willing to argue with hotel managers over purchasing fish for their menagerie while the city is being attacked by aliens. This scene is so important that everything has to stop so we can follow this Abbott and Costello act for about five minutes. Sidebar. I love how he's like, yeah, come to my hotel and we'll, I'll show you. And the guy's like, all right, but this better be good. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was up with those cobwebs covering Zegra in the spaceship? If he's going to kidnap mind slaves, you'd think he could have them do a little routine housework, especially around his inert body, which, by the way, is stuck up on the ceiling for no apparent reason. <laughs> Zegra looked like the stuffed marlin that's hanging up in the office of Mike's boss. Uh, and what is up with these naming conventions? The monster's name is Zegra, and it's from the planet Zegra. 
Mike's going to go change his name to Earth. But Gamera versus Zegra does offer some good life lessons, such as the fact that you can make people's lives better by shouting, ah, ah, into a loudspeaker. <laughs> Following this movie's cue, Mike went to a local old folks' home and shouted incoherent noise into a megaphone. Just like in the movie, the people started to jerk around wildly. He must have been doing something good. Uh, an orderly tried to tackle Mike, but he threw the orderly to the ground and played the, <laughs> played his theme song on his back like a xylophone. Finally, the cops came, and Mike was thrown out of the place. They were really mean and didn't even give him a Coke. I think that's my favorite one yet. <laughs> nice work, Mike. <laughs> that's Good job. <clears throat> I had to cut out Mike's first sentence, because this is a family-friendly podcast. Oh, Mike. Robert Verse first saw Gamera vs. Zegra years ago on TV, and being a hardcore Godzilla fan, he just could not get into this weird turtle flying through space. Although his appreciation has grown uh, due to the 90s Gamera flicks, which I appreciate as well, these original movies are still a tough pill to swallow. The kid-centered plot was tedious to Robert, even uh, when he was a kid, the model work on the miniature sets looks like they were made by kids as well. The underwater battle scene is well shot. It is both bloody and fun. It gets a little ridiculous when Gamera plays his own theme music on the bad guy and does a little dance that makes the Godzilla she look like ballet. It is interesting that Zegra personally addresses the Earth to threaten it and orders the bad guys around. Usually the monster is a mindless brute who simply does an alien or a mad scientist bidding. Zeger himself is moving the action forward. That being said, it is not enough to make this as good as any of the Godzilla movies from that same period. I completely agree, Robert. Uh, so that was 10. We got 10 homework submissions in. And I'd say for a movie like this, well done, listeners. Nice work. And seriously, I do appreciate it. Please keep that coming. I have some good news. Next month's movie is the one, the only, Gappa. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Okay. Gappa is from, not from Toho, uh -huh. not from Dae, but another studio called Nikatsu. And it was put, uh, it was made in 1967. So 1967, Nikatsu, Shochiku, Dae, and Toho, they all made giant monster movies. And so, Gappa is uh, is that one. Also, Gappa is widely known as a couple of different titles. Uh, the uh, the one that's been acquired by public domain, I guess you'd say, or has fallen into public domain. That's probably what you actually would say. There is uh, is called Gappa the Trifibian Monster, I think. And if it's not that one, it's called Monster from a Prehistoric Planet. Anyway, <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's it's kind of a fun movie. It's very much like King Kong in a way, but it's also got other elements in it. It's I hope you can make it to that. Uh, and I hope that you, the listeners, will send in your thoughts, questions, and reviews in the form of what we call homework for our Daikaiju discussions. So if you want to get your homework sent in to be a part of that episode, please make sure to get that in before Friday, the 25th of April. We are going to go ahead and play some requests, just a couple, and then we're going to get into the news. The first request is Rodan, and that is for Mike. And then the second request is for Kyle, and that is the Godzilla and Jet Jaguar Punch, Punch, Punch song. Punch, 
Her name was Rodan And she lived in the ocean off reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Now, like I said at the top of the show, we have a ton of news. In fact, there's really so much news coming in uh, specifically about Godzilla 2014 that it's difficult for a bi-monthly podcast to really catch up. So these are essentially the highlights and even though they're the highlights, in my opinion, there's still a ton of them. So bear with me while I have my tasty beer here and my finger on the pause button as we get through these news items. First and foremost, there is apparently um, an update to the Muto Research website. Now, um, I'm not going to go check that out because I don't want any spoilers, but I believe it's the same images that were posted on the Legendary Pictures Instagram feed, Facebook page, and Twitter as well. So 
check that out if you want. There's a link in the show notes to mutoresearch.net. Also, this is not brand news, but a lot of people know this. So unless you've been living under a rock because your island is infested with kaiju, you may already know that there is a new international trailer. And the international trailer is basically, I guess, the same thing as the official trailer that we saw a couple of weeks ago, but it has some added footage. Again, I'm not checking it out. Also, Art Adams, the Godzilla artist extraordinaire, Godzilla comic book artist, I should say, his cover for legendary comics Godzilla Awakening has been unleashed. I'll have a link in the show notes to Nerdist.com where they have a uh, great photo of the actual cover image. In addition to the merchandise that you've seen, Ruby's is making Godzilla costumes. I uh, saw one of those today, and it was kind of funny, actually. It's almost like a skin-tight costume with spines down the back and a mask. Um, The mask looks kind of cool, but Ruby's is notorious for well-photographed masks of their cheap costumes. And then when you look at them in person, it's like two pieces of plastic that are riveted together in the center, creating a very visible seam line. Uh, That's what I'm assuming this is. It might be kind of cool. Who knows? Some cool news on a very personal note. I got in the mail today this incredible box called the Godzilla Survival Kit, thanks to Warner Brothers Consumer Products. It's so cool, in fact, that I shot a video. So check the link in the show notes to the YouTube page. Of course, if you're subscribed to the YouTube page, it'll just come across in the feed. But uh, I basically unpacked the box. It's an unboxing video because it was a box. And uh, I, yeah, it's kind of cool to see what they sent me. Moving on from the Godzilla 2014 news, Machinima, the um, YouTube channel, has a new show called Enormous. Now, I have not checked it out yet, but episode one debuted, I believe, on the 20th. And it is a giant monster tale, I guess, told from the perspective of humans. And again, this is a YouTube channel, so I'm not sure how, how good the quality is. But Machinima, they're kind of one of the big groups out there. So hopefully it's got a little bit of money put into it and some good effects. I will be checking out the the first episode. If you liked it, definitely let me know what you think and post on the uh, Facebook page or send me an email. Let me know how enormous was. In addition to all the cool imagery that we've seen, new posters, a brand new banner for Godzilla uh, that have been officially released, there's a really cool um, website that has showcased all these artists' posters. Now, You may be familiar with these. This is the kind of thing that came out when Pacific Rim was being released. There were some really nice art posters, and I I got a Pacific Rim poster, a really cool one, like a very tall vertical poster with Gypsy Danger, Cherno Alpha, uh, Crimson Typhoon, and a little kaiju on the bottom. And, it you know, it's just sort of, you know, if you're into that alternative poster art scene, I believe what they're doing is they're sort of narrowing it down. They're asking people to submit their or to send in their comments saying which ones they like the best. I could definitely pick out three or four that I would absolutely hang in my house. So I'll have a link in the show notes to that so you can check it out as well. Big news on the G-Fest front. G-Fest 21 has announced their guests. Those are Koichi Kawakita, the special effects director from the Heisei era. Tomoko Ai, who played Katsura in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Katsuhiko Sasaki, 
who played uh, two characters, one in Godzilla versus Megalon and another in Terror of Mechagodzilla. They're also going to have, via Skype, a session with Yosuke Natsuki. Now, if you're asking yourself who that actor was, he played the lead in Ghidra, the three-headed monster. And then in Godzilla 1985, he played the professor who was studying Godzilla. In addition to those guests, they also have Hiroshi Sagai, sculptor extraordinaire. He will be a guest. They're bringing back Don Fry. And uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting Don Fry. I've First off, I've never met any of these guys before. I'm super excited. I'm very, very excited because I uh, have been told that I get to be the moderator slash interviewer for Koichi Kawakita's session. And that is um, big news because I've wanted to talk to Kawakita-san for many, many years, especially since I started doing the podcast. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also hoping to talk with uh, Don Fry and maybe sit him down and record a podcast. It'll be a lot easier to do because he speaks English. They also have Robert Scott Field, who will be there translating. The Crown Plaza, Chicago O'Hare, is the home of G-Fest, July 11th through July 13th. Please check gfan.com for more information. And you better get on your registration and hotel uh, reservation now because I have heard that the rooms are going fast. Next up, Sci-Fi Japan has an article about the Japanese toy exhibit at the San Francisco International Airport, SFO. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to Bob Johnson's article. If you have not seen the exhibit in person, it is fantastic. I am going to be producing a video because I did shoot some video while I was there, but it's one of those that's going to need a lot of editing, so it's going to be posted quite a ways. Uh, there's a Facebook album on the KaijuCast Facebook page that I will include a link in the show notes to so you can check out the photos that I took. There's some absolutely jaw-dropping uh, toys in that exhibit, some really old stuff. It's very, very cool. So check out Bob's article on Sci-Fi Japan. Speaking of Sci-Fi Japan, did you know that you can win a Blu-ray copy of King Kong vs. Godzilla and King Kong Escapes from Sci-Fi Japan? They have a contest going right now. Uh, I'm probably, I should beg you to not enter because I, I would actually like to win that. There's so many things coming out. In fact, let's just do a brief recap of this year's Kaiju Blu-ray releases. So King Kong vs. Godzilla, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, King Kong Escapes, Godzilla vs. Hedra, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Destroya, Godzilla vs. Megagirus, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, Godzilla Final Wars, and then you also have the Gamera Ultimate Collection, Volume 1 and Volume 2. It's going to be a big year for kaiju, folks. A big year for kaiju. More merchandise, more things for you to spend your money on. I uh, was just at my local comic book shop, and they had the Diamond Select Toys Godzilla 1989 bank for sale. Uh, these should be in your comic and pop culture shops right now, so check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes to Diamond Select Toys website so you can see the thing online. In addition to that, Toy Vault, who released a whole bunch of plush kaiju many years ago, have announced a brand new Godzilla plush that will be released in May. It's 15 inches tall, and it was actually designed by Matt Frank. And speaking of Matt Frank, he is going to be one of the artists featured in the Guzu Gallery's Strange Beasts 2, a tribute to the King art show. Now, this actually starts tomorrow, March 28th. 
There's a reception from 7 to 10 p.m. This is in Austin, Texas. You can check the link in the show notes to that. If uh, for some reason you didn't hear this in time because my server sucks, then you can actually still check the stuff out. It's going to be on display through May 5th. I'll also have a link in the show notes to their website and to their Facebook event for the opening reception. All right, we're winding down on the news, guys, but there's still something out there that needs your help. The Ifukube and Godzilla, a musical celebration Kickstarter, still has not met its goal. Now, I am a huge, huge proponent of this Kickstarter. I have already donated. I really think you should as well. If you have not gotten on there and just pledged a little bit of money, you can do something as low as $10 to get a reward. There are many, many levels. If you haven't listened to episode 105 of the Kaiju Cast, that's where I talked to John DeSantis and Chris Olio specifically about this Kickstarter. I really want it to happen. I'm extremely excited for the possibility of seeing Ifukube's music performed live by a full symphony. If you're going to G-Fest, I really hope you're considering donating. It's a very, very worthy cause. I'll have a link in the show notes to their website. Please, it only lasts to April 6th. I think it ends right in the morning. So please get out there, get those donations in, and uh, let's watch some Ifukube together at G-Fest. We have a brand new Kaiju Corps member. Please welcome Captain Tom Kennedy. Hey, by the way, speaking of an update, we did get the lanyards in. They look pretty boss. They're olive drab with white Kaiju cast and Kaiju Corps logos on them. I will be wearing one at Emerald City Comic Con this weekend. Speaking of Emerald City Comic Con, please come out, if this reaches your ear holes in time, please come out to the Kaiju Attack 60 Years of Giant Monsters from Japan, the panel that we're doing at Emerald City Comic Con Sunday at 1240. I'll have all the details in the show notes. If you cannot make it because you're not in Seattle or for some reason couldn't get tickets to Emerald City Comic Con because I have heard that it is sold out, I will be recording that panel for a future podcast. We're going to go ahead and close out the show. Uh, once again, big thanks to everybody who sent in their Daikaiju discussion homework. Big thanks to Martin for showing up. Uh, big thanks to Warner Brothers for sending me the Godzilla Survival Kit. Check out that video and uh, check out all of our social networking things. I'm not even going to do the whole end spiel. Check out the website, kaijucast.com. And in the meantime, we're going to actually close the show with two requests, and the reason they're at the end of the show is because they're very long. I've never gotten these requests before, but I figured each one has a very lengthy time to it, so might as well put it at the end of the show. So if you're not a fan of music, you don't have to, you know, skip through it. The first is a request from Eli to hear Godzilla Eats Las Vegas by Eric Whitaker, and then we are going to follow that up with Gojira, the original mix, by Ninjas in Pajamas, and that is for Steven. We will see you next month. Jamata. 